Welcome to Shareholder Q&A, a production from Gorecom, in which investors submit their questions online, and then we talk directly with the CEOs in order to answer them, to get your answers directly from the horse's mouth. This Shareholder Q&A, you see him on the screen, he's back again. Steve McCauley, CEO, Empower Clinics, trades in Canada under CBDT. For our friends in the U.S., EPWCF, and of course, for our always great shareholders in Europe on Frankfurt under 8EC. For those new to the story, by the way, uh, sometimes we pass over this because we know that we've got over 20,000 uh, shareholders by now. But we shall always mention for the new people that Empower is an integrated healthcare company with multiple divisions, including clinics, with a stated goal of 30 clinics in Canada by the end of 2021. A pipeline of 15 clinics has already been announced. The first launch is going to be in September, then rolling out after that with ribbon cutting ceremonies. It's going to be really exciting into the end of 2021 into 2022. Great partnerships there with a multi number of pharmacy companies. Uh, and from what we've heard from Steve, merger and acquisition talk is also ongoing. Uh, and that may add to the pipeline as well. Uh, they've also got a leading medical diagnostics lab that's processing thousands of COVID-19 specimens and developing novel COVID-19 testing protocols. More than just lip service, they've got pilots going on right now with Save On Foods, Pharma Choice, and announced just yesterday, Pharma Save. They also got their telemedicine platform, M&A growth, as, as we've seen through the uh, Canadian Diabetes Leader MediSure. Everything's going fantastic. Here to answer some of the shareholder questions, Steve, welcome back, my friend. Thank you, George. Always a pleasure to see you and uh, looking forward to kind of, you know, talking about things in general and talking about some updates and kind of what the balance of the, you know, the, the balance of this year is just going to be, I think, frenetic for us um, as all of these new openings, you know, start to start to land. So it's going to be a pretty exciting time once we get past Labor Day. It sure feels that way, right? feels like we're right at the start line now. We're, we're waiting for the gun to go off, and then Empire just goes on this great biz dev run uh, for a long time. I mean, it's not going to calm down for a long, long time. Yeah, this is, this is many years of this cycle. Uh, there's no doubt, right? This is just a constant state of growth and hyper growth. And as you mentioned, it's, it's our organic openings, but Equally, our deal flow and deal pipeline continues to be very strong, and you know certainly I anticipate you know getting uh, a number of good, exciting announcements out uh, announcements out you know this fall uh, on uh, new you know new acquisition opportunities. So we announced the Q and A last week. We posted shareholders and posing their questions. I want yeah. to touch quickly though on two press releases that have come out <laughs> this week. Yes. Uh, the first one, Empower and PharmaSave enter pilot program to supply Kai testing to independent pharmacies. Okay, that is, a, is another great pilot. What caught my attention is this, though, from your quote and excerpt. With corporate pharmacy partners, PharmaChoice, and now PharmaSave, we are seeing steady growth and momentum with a number of pharmacy groups from across North America. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit? Because that sounds like we're really starting to get the attention of a lot of pharmacy groups across North America. That's what shareholders want, want to see. Yeah, I mean, this is this has been a stated objective of, of ours, of mine, you know, for this entire, you know, year, you know, which really kicked off with the um, acquisition of, uh, of the clinics uh, in Canada, you know, Lawrence Park and Atkinson. And, you know, we started to announce, it started with, you know, Rexall and, and 
moving towards, you know, building clinics out, you know, in conjunction with their locations, kind of in a Rexall, on a Rexall, beside a Rexall. And that kind of pathway of aligning ourselves with pharmacy groups, whether corporately owned and managed or, uh, you know, independent, you know, national brands or regional brands is really paying dividends as a strategy. And, you know, we know what our lane is, the pharmacies know what their lane is, and we're so complementary to each other. And so all along, we've been building much more reputation within the pharmacy, you know, ecosystem uh, in Canada and in the US as well with our, our tabula rasa, um, you know, connections. But the announcement of yesterday with PharmaSave, you know, it's a wonderful national group with, you know, 800 independent yeah. pharmacies across the country. It's another household name. And we're demonstrating that we have credibility at the most senior level with these large corporate brands. And then it's up to us and our team members to execute regionally in the neighborhoods where the pharmacists are located. Uh, you know, that's, that's on us. But so it's really a kind of a, a nice kind of push and pull strategy. Uh, but again, we're just demonstrating that a smaller developing small cap company like ours can be taken seriously enough that big national established yep. brands want to partner with us. And we're leveraging what we can do on the clinic side. We're leveraging with what we can do on direct-to-consumer medical and healthcare testing through our Kai Care brand. And now we've got the MediShare brand uh, that's come online for us. And you know that the moment that that acquisition closed, um, I was on the phone with on the move. Uh, I was on the phone uh, with all of our key uh, key relationships and kind of I already kind of whispered in the ears of some of the, the key buyers that we work with that, you know, looks like this deal is probably going to get done. And, it, and when it's done, um, I'm coming back. And that's exactly what we've done. You know, so um, I think they're viewing us as a diversified partner that really has a lot to offer uh, yeah. the pharmacy ecosystem. Is it fair to say, because uh, you mentioned momentum, I, I, we know you're, you're in an industry that is massive, but yeah. has, you know, doesn't have a massive number of flags under it. So you've announced something with Rexall, you've announced something with PharmaChoice, you've announced something with PharmaSafe uh, and, and others. Yeah. Are you getting more, does that, does that just get you more and more attention from other pharmacy, pharmaceutical companies? or pharmacy retailers in across North America saying, hey, we got to talk to these Empower guys. They're signing everybody. It, it absolutely does. You know, it's, it's, it's credibility, you know, and you, um, it's hard to get into these large organizations. In some cases, it can take years of, you know, business development activity to actually get a pilot and, and strike a deal and actually do something. And um, we, we know that. And we've known that from the very beginning, that all of this, these are building blocks. But if we execute, and I think it's something that we're known for is just getting things done, uh, then there's no reason why we can't work with these big groups for years to come. You know, Absolutely. when we open um, our healthcare centers, I view them as an annuity with those um, partnerships or, or subleases or however we set them up. And we should have that relationship and those revenue streams for years to come. You know, I, I see us, you know, kind of converting from almost this rapid growth organization to a value 
uh, play or a value stock in the future um, that you know maybe we, we start to get to a position where we've got such regular and recurring uh, free cash flow that you know we become we become a dividend play. You know we don't we don't know that at this stage. But if you if you think right, it, you don't play small ball and you're looking forward, no, you've got you're, to. You, you're already shaping what you think a power is going to look like five years down the road. You don't you don't live quarter to quarter. No, no, we we absolutely do not. We we have to build these put together these building blocks for a tremendously stable and valuable you know healthcare business you know for the future. Uh, serving millions of patients in the markets that we operate in. Uh, but we just believe that this alignment with pharmacy networks, you know, is, is really quite unique. And I think our reputation for understanding how to work with pharmacies is starting to become pretty well known now. Like it's, it's yeah. not, a, it's not, and that's a why it feels like that finish. That's why it feels like that start line right now. It feels like all of this is culminating into relationships and product and partnerships for a long, long time. It just it feels does. That and, right now. And the, you know, it gives us then that credibility with, because if, if, if one national brand um, is comfortable aligning themselves with us, you know, it tells the other national brands that something's going on here because they know that due diligence would have happened, right? They would have the opportunity to go out and follow us and research us and realize, yeah, th these guys are onto something here. And they've got the capital runway. They've got the know-how. They've got the expertise. They're kind of starting to speak our language. And, you know, we definitely are getting better at you know, speaking the language of pharmacy and uh, demonstrating that we understand what makes a pharmacy tick and we can appeal to, you know, what their needs are and serve them as clients. And, and, in, and also it's kind of, particularly on the clinic side, it's very reciprocal because we bring tremendous value to the uh, pharmacies and the pharmacy groups and the pharmacists uh, because we can help retain patients and keep them close. That drives increased prescriptions, increased time in store. And uh, those are things that we contribute to the ecosystem of pharmacy. So when we come back and say, oh, hey, we want to talk to you about our products, our medical products, uh, we've got a, a great audience already. You, you, got their, you got their attention. Yeah, we do. So, nice. um, you know, and then we're taking steps now to, you know, help us get better at it. You know, we still, you know, this is still a learning curve. We have to, we have to be humble enough to realize um, that we still have a lot to learn on, on how to, you know, work with an ecosystem and how to support them every day, every week, every month, every quarter over time. So one of the things that we're doing with the organization, I was on with the, the MediShare team today, really talking about account management, like what is their account management philosophy? We've got about 14 independent uh, sales reps and some inside sales at Metashore. So, you know, what is that account management strategy to best serve the needs of the pharmacies and the pharmacists in the neighborhoods? So we're really thinking about that. And, and are, we, are we serving the, you know, that pharmacy community in the best possible way. I think we're doing some things that are really well, but I, I want to put more investment into that. And if that means putting more feet on the streets, then we'll, we'll do that appropriately within our budgets. 
Um, but we're we're just we're just getting better all the time, George. We really and are. That, and that's the, and that's your Six Sigma background, right? Yeah, you bet. bet. You bet. Yeah, we have to analyze this stuff and not take anything for granted, and be prepared to evolve, to change, to pivot. Um, you know, be experts at change management and accept that maybe the status quo is not good enough, and 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 we have to be better. So that's we're doing a lot of that behind the scenes. Yeah, we can we can we can feel it. That's for sure. The next the next press release is typically when a company announces an advisory board, it's launching an advisory board and add a couple of people. It's not generally not newsworthy, but you know, or, or worth talking about. But your your first addition to the advisory board only brings further credibility to everything you just said. And third party validation, yeah. third party credibility is everything in the small cap world. Talk to us about. Talk to us about who we're talking about. So yeah, it's very timely, right? The um, so we we've always intended and in having a strategic advisory board. I, I I've I built strategic advisory boards, uh, customer advisory boards in the past, particularly in my GE days, and um, and it's very different than a board of directors, uh, but they can really help us and it brings experts to us. So we've just announced here Thursday morning pre market uh, the addition of Annette. Robinson to our the formation of the strategic advisory board and then our first uh, participant Annette Robinson. Now Annette is the current president of the British Columbia Pharmacy Association. Uh, she's a 30 year plus pharmacist. Uh, she sits on the Canadian National Pharmacy uh, Council as well. Uh, she's a, a very big lobbyist, very uh, directly tied into the BC Ministry of Health and also at a federal level. She's worked at Rexall Corporate. She's worked at PharmaSafe Corporate, and and she's a pharmacist, and she just absolutely speaks the language. What an of addition! Pharmacy. What a fantastic! You know, she addition. she's a wonderful addition. She's a you know very skilled, highly intelligent uh, professional. Uh, she's also an absolutely great person to be around, and in the spirit of us trying to get better, I want to surround us with experts. Uh, I want us to be better at speaking the language. I want to be better at opening the doors. I want to be better at working with pharmacists in the neighborhoods where the, uh, and the customers that they serve. The other real special feature about Annette is she's also incredibly passionate about the topic of diabetes. She's a certified diabetes uh, educator in Canada. And uh, so we get this kind of double whammy with her is she's got tremendous expertise, obviously pharmacy in general, but she also is going to help us a lot on the Metasure side and our, our really our track forward, our path forward of development uh, and product development uh, for Metasure because product development for the Metasure brand is an imperative for us going forward. Expansion into the US and the FDA approvals you know, will be an imperative for the Metasure brand going forward. So I am, I am really excited uh, to have Annette you know, aligned with us and I think we're going to do some great work together. And, and just like we talked about momentum on the pharmacy side, when someone like Annette uh, you know, joins the advisory board, I presume that brings, you know, it goes out saying that credibility and validation, not just for shareholders, but for other big members of the Canadian North American pharmaceutical industry who say, Every hey, maybe I should be on that uh, advisory board as well, because yeah. it looks like those guys are going somewhere. 
Well, um, every major brand in Canada uh, will know Annette. Wow. Um, I mean, that oh. is, you know, this is just you know, the type of credibility and reputation that she has. And like I said, we're, we're fortunate to be able to attract, uh, you know, this type of expertise and talent to help make us better. And we, I want us to be better. I, I want to, uh, us to improve. I want us to always be in a state of, uh, of attempting to get better and trying to get better, um, no matter what, a constant state of, of development. And so this is just another, I think, really important step. And I, as you said, sometimes, you know, you don't make a big deal about a strategic advisory board, but I, I think it is a big deal, frankly, um, especially when we get top talent uh, to come our way. And I think it will demonstrate to the pharmacy community how important uh, our alignment with pharmacies, um, uh, how important that really is to us and to our business model. Well, you're you're building you're building a powerhouse. I can see it. I've been through this for 25 years. You guys are building something special, Steve. Yeah, On that you. note, let's get to the shareholders uh, who asked us some great questions. First question, uh, they weren't the first to ask, but you'll see why Wolf of Oakville goes first uh, because his question starts with, to my favorite CEO and the best small cap interviewer on the planet. <laughs> so thanks, Wolf. Uh, that's awesome. Can you, Steve, walk us through the site selection process? How are you... How are locations identified and prioritized? Uh, which partners are included in final sign-off on location, lease, and why? Uh, in what circumstances would master leases be required? He's looking forward to the ribbon cuttings. He's going to be there. Yeah, so it's a really good question. So uh, uh, it's, it's relatively complex for us because we have um, kind of a variety of situations. The site selection... Uh, so let's let's take corporate Rexall. Site selection is very much uh, done in conjunction with their real estate people. So they have a team of real estate. Uh, they have a real estate department, uh, a key guy uh, that we work with, uh, covers off the east. They have a west person. They have their their senior manager. They are looking at their own real estate, and they are looking to identify which real estate footprint which market uh, would be most appropriate from their perspective. And then we come together with them and say, okay, do, is there enough footprint there? Uh, does that postcode make sense? And uh, what is our likelihood to recruit quality medical doctors and paramedical practitioners for that postcode? That's a big one, right? But a lot of people don't realize how important of a, uh, a factor that plays because you got to have a, a postal code that's uh, that's attractive enough to medical practitioners to want to relocate there. Yeah, and you 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 have you know um, uh, Ministry of Health uh, structures with within the province of Ontario that also dictate how medical billing works depending on the type of clinic that it is. And it's one's referred to as a foe, um, one's referred to as a fig. We prefer to go foe because it's got predictability of billing um, in, in our business model. And it really helps us out of the gate. We can layer on other, you know, fig versions of that um, at later dates, but 
you know, again, out of the gate, having nice predictability of your monthly billings um, really just makes sense at this time. So, and in, a, in the corporate relationship ones of what I just mentioned, um, in some cases we have a, we'll call it a master sublease. So we have, we have negotiated a standardized sublease with Rexall because they're the head tenant on the location. And then we take a sublet structure for the square footage that we allocate to it. And so we, we've negotiated and we've signed a number of, um, of the templated subleases with Rexall. In other cases, and I'm, I'll go back to Rexall. So our, one of our, our early openings in Etobicoke, we're calling Etobicoke Browns line. Actually, this is a facility that sits on top of the Rexall. It's a wonderful clinic. It's gonna be large. We will do a big ribbon, ribbon cutting ceremony on that um, in, in the not too distant future, actually. And in that particular case, we did a head lease with the landlord of the property. So Rexall would have a head lease for their space down below. Right. We did a head lease um, with the uh, same landlord, but for our space. So that's a different sort of lease structure, uh, but that's still a program that was put together in conjunction with the real estate folks um, at Rexall. Of course. Now, conversely, um, our openings in um, Hamilton, uh, which is one of the one of the actually I think it might be the first one here uh, in, in a short couple of weeks, is a smaller location at an independent pharmacy. Uh, it's it's either an IDA or a PharmaSave. I can't remember which one's going first. And in that particular case, uh, we struck um, uh, a, a you know a, a short, really clean. Uh, lease agreement, sublease agreement with with them, and it's you know quite quite easy to do, um, very efficient. Uh, we have a flagship location in Etobicoke being built out right now, and that one's called Lakeshore, on Lakeshore Drive. This is a brand new build from scratch in a brand new uh, strip mall. Uh, tremendous location surrounded by young families and condos and townhouse complexes, great demographics. And uh, that was a brand new, you know, head lease with the landlord. And, uh, and then we're actually bringing in a subtenant as well uh, to help subsidize our costs. And, uh, and, the, and the build out on that one is already underway. So we have different structures on leases. And the, the choice of locations is really dependent upon uh, the, our ability to recruit doctors in, in given locations, uh, working with a particular partner on, on trying to assess their needs in, in the communities that they have, and, and then just trying to figure it out. You know, like, uh, you know, another example is, is London, Ontario. We've got a big standalone facility there that's uh, under construction. Um, we have, already over allocated our medical doctors for that location. And in fact, I was on with doctors Jordan and Aviv today talking about uh, London, Ontario, and we now are on the hunt for another location because we have too many physicians that want to work with us. That's awesome. That's amazing. And uh, the, the, the London location that we're building out, it's a big facility, but it is 100% full and allocated already for medical doctors and practitioners. But we have more quality groups coming to us who want to 
move across to the MediCollective brand because they really believe in what we're doing. They see the investment. They love the brand story, uh, but they want to remain in the community that they serve, but they want to bring their roster of patients across with them, right? And so, you know, there's, it's, it, there's a formula to what we're doing, um, but some of it is you kind of just have to negotiate on the fly, make decisions on the fly, um, on the ground about where we have physicians and some of its timing. So as an example, if for whatever reason, you know, a, a, a Rexall or whomever it might be, a pharma choice isn't ready to make a decision in a particular market for whatever reason, but we've got a roster of medical doctors that want to come on board, then we will make the call to, you know, go to another uh, location or build out a location on our own because we can't lose the opportunity to recruit those high quality medical doctors. Right. What's, what's great about all this is that you're not limited by any structure. You're flexible. We have flexibility. different structures, which is great because, and people might take that for granted, but there are a lot of operations out there that say, here is our model. Here is how we do it. And we only do it this way. And they miss opportunities but someone at corporate has decided, no, we're only going to do it this way. And that's yeah. it. And whereas, whereas with, uh, with Meta Collective, you're not missing any opportunities. Empire's not missing any opportunities. It's just making it work. Well, we're, we're prepared to be flexible where appropriate. Um, we've got to be very respectful for the uh, medical doctor community because we, we're also building our reputation with, with our good MDs. We're building a reputation with practitioners in paramedical services. And so if we string them along and then all of a sudden, you know, miss and don't, you know, get a facility in the particular city that we're talking about, then that's kind of shame on us. And that's not good for our repu reputation in the medical community. So we're, we're very concerned about you know, building, uh, you know, building reputation, um, building relationships and, and really recognizing the importance of that for the long-term success of our overall public company. And I think the fact that we're paying attention and we care uh, enough to be, you know, to be that considerate, but we're also nimble enough to adjust and make change and we have the capital runway to do it. Next question. Uh, new name that I'm seeing here, new handle, Chiaran McD, Chiaran McD, but the, let's call it Chiar, Chiara is the easy one. Hi, Steve. How many clinics do you think will be operational by, de by December 31st? Is there a target? And what are the plans for uplisting uh, to the NASDAQ or is the TSX a possibility? Okay, so first part of the question. So um, we'll have a better handle, I think, as we get through uh, late uh, September on exactly how many will be open and operational. We've got a, a, a pretty healthy pipeline right now of um, leases signed, <clears throat> permits being pulled, architects engaged, and, and running through that cycle to get you know, to full openings by December. Uh, so we'll be able to kind of peg that number pretty accurately, I think, in, in the next, say, two to four weeks. And then the more important one for me right now is the concept of committed clinics. Now, they may not be fully operational by the end of 2021, but at least we know the city, the location, and we've got the commitment for that. That right now is big for me um, to know exactly what that's going to look like for 2021. The, the other part that kind of gets laid on top of that um, is the acquisition pipeline that we have. 
And um, so uh, there's going to be you know, quite a bit more, I'll call it, you know, information coming um, in the next short while on, on kind of our deal flow. We've been working very hard through the summer, um, uh, nurturing some of these opportunities. Um, we've got uh, term sheet discussions underway with a, a number of different groups right now. And uh, you know, we want to have additional um, acquisitions that we can try to get closed in 2021 to really set us up for a, you know, a strong, you know, much, much larger annualized you know, revenue run rate for 2022. Uh, so you know, some, I think we just you know, give me a little bit more time on, on that front. Uh, second part of the question was about uplisting. So you know, uh, we have a stated objective to be uplisted. You know that that isn't going away. Nothing has changed. Uh, you know it's always market dependent. Uh, we, um, you know, our our concept of TSX versus uh, Nasdaq is, you know, we really like the idea um, of Nasdaq as the uplist target uh, because we, you know, we have North America wide assets, and and we think that makes a lot of sense. But you know, if for whatever reason, you know, we get good guidance from legal and from investment banking that, you know, TSX we should do first before we do NASDAQ, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. But there's nothing, you know, fundamentally prohibiting us from, you know, making that run to go from where we are at the CSE through to NASDAQ. Like technically, we don't have a roadblock. It's really about scale and it's about the right time and having the market support to do it. Is, is there uh, maybe a uh, uh, not necessarily a number, but a position you want the company to be in. Do you want to have, you know, 20 clinics fully operational or 30 or 50? Is there a number where you're saying, hey, I want to get to this stage because, you know, back to your GE training, I want to be at this this depth before I, I, I go for an uplist? Or is it a time frame? You know, what, what's yeah, your, what I, think, a couple I parameters? think for me, I, I think for me, like you, you, you can come at it in a couple of different um, there's a couple different ways to analyze that decision and, and this topic is, and, and it gets you to the same place anyhow, right? So, you know, is there a market cap kind of threshold that you're looking for that everybody around, you know, that you're going to need from, you know, particularly on the investment banking side and, and organizational structure uh, says, yeah, you're ready um, because you've got that scale and valuation. Now, the other way to come about another way is you can say, well, okay, I need X number of clinics, you know, X number of acquisitions, uh, because that creates my, you know, trailing 12 month multiple and my forward looking multiple. And so that backs me into that threshold anyhow, right? So um, we're working through kind of that critical thinking. And again, uh, as we get through you know, really the next two to four weeks, um, we're going to go through quite a lot of analysis with, you know, some great experts on that topic uh, that really help with that road mapping. We've brought on uh, an FP&A person. Um, so, you know, financial planning and analysis for, for those who may not know. So I've, I've used FP&A talent very effectively in, in prior years, particularly at GE and, and, and at Penske. And it's about critical thinking. It's about building budget cycles. It's about doing market analysis on product development. So with the advancements at Kai Care and the, and the extensive R&D that's going on right now, we wanna support them with critical thinking, not just a back of a napkin analysis, but like what product set 
are we bringing to market first? When, what's the investment? What's the return on investment? When we look at Metashore and the product development cycle, same thing. What, what product, what format, what timeline, what investment, um, so that we understand uh, what that expected outcome is uh, and we can you know, comfortably know um, how to allocate our investment dollars. So that's just some other organizational um, you know, improvements that we're making. And it's all on the premise of getting better, George, right? You know, as, as we develop, we're, you know, we, our organization isn't there yet. We, 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 we need more talent in certain places to help us along the way. Um, but we're recognizing where we've got gaps and we're, do, we're, we're focusing our efforts on it to plug those areas uh, to make our entire organization better. I think it's exciting. I mean, there's a lot there, but I think it's exciting that you said that next two to four weeks, you're going to have greater visibility on a yeah. lot of things, which just yeah. keeps reinforcing this start gun. You know, we're at the start line right now. And last question, uh, last question from Char was that, uh, when will the Sun Valley business be settled and it, will that be a help on the investment side not being associated with marijuana products? Uh, the short answer to the, the second part of the question is yes. I mean, that's, that's an easy one, frankly. Um, you know, the, the product category is still uh, considered federally an illegal category um, in the United States. And that is problematic, uh, particularly when it comes to institutions. And certain institutions have mandates uh, that they can't even invest uh, in that in in that sector. Um, you know, we can't have that happen to us as as a pure play healthcare company. Healthcare is open to you know all major you know invest you know um, invest uh, corporate investors and hedge funds and pension funds and whatnot. So um, it just you know, we, we, we've talked about it before, you know, this is, this is where we are uh, we, and we, we know that that's where we're going. So we're, we're taking steps. Um, we are in the middle of, uh, you know, negotiating it through and uh, with the MediShare transaction uh, now closed, it gives me a little bit more opportunity to uh, focus on the, um, the, the um, uh, definitive agreement related to the Sun Valley, you know, sale. So again, um, probably as we get, you know, uh, into September, you know, we still have people on holidays and things like that. Uh, then you know, we're going to see more activity and more updates related to to Sun Valley Health. Okay. Next question is from Eric Brown. Much easier name, by the way. Love those names. Uh, I love the simplicity of this question, uh, but it's also really powerful. Is there anything that Steve can think of that could derail and power clinics execution of its business plan? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. It's, it's simple, but you know, kind of a, kind of a poignant thing. I mean, a great due diligence questions always. Yeah, good for yeah. to know that. Look, all, all of us in small cap sector, um, you know, th there are risks associated uh, with it. Um, we, Look, look what happened to society and business across many sectors um, with the COVID-19 pandemic. No one predicted that would show. Yes, any, anybody two years ago, you know, what, you know, would we have all lived through, you know, this cycle in our lives? And, you know, nobody would have said that would have happened. So there are, there are, there are certainly forces um, that could be outside of our control that um, could, you um, cause challenges. So there, you know, there are risk factors associated with every growth organization. Um, I feel like the, 
um, divestiture of the medical cannabis certification clinics was and has been um, a, a risk on us. And we saw uh, steep declines in revenue because of legislative changes in the state of Arizona that were beyond our control. I think we did a pretty decent job in starting to pivot and move, recognizing that it was coming. Um, so you know that that's a factor that we adjusted to. I think that going forward with really pure play healthcare, um, we have much more long-term stability. So I think that de-risks our long-term business model. Um, I feel like if we get off on tangents, like we don't recognize what our lanes are in our business model, I think that becomes problematic. So I'm, I'm, I'm very cautious to ensure that how we deploy our capital have enough discipline to stay within kind of the framework um, that we have right now. And I get presented with such a variety sure. of acquisition opportunities. And frankly, some of them are so much out on a tangent that it would be um, inappropriate for me even to advocate internally into our board that we should support something like that. So I think that, you know, but I think again, we're, we're, we're quite disciplined. Um, you know, uh, we always would like the business model to go faster. I think the other thing, uh, risk factors are always capital markets. And if, you know, something happens with uh, general economies, something happens with the uh, general markets overall, um, that can create pressure on the entire, you know, capital markets ecosystem, not just us. So but, but it sounds like it sounds like the you're not too worried outside of the outlier events that could affect Agoracom and 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 GE, right? Even yes. GE almost went under 2008 yep. uh, because because. Of, but but the good thing is it doesn't sound like there are things specific to Empower that you fear they keep. There's nothing in Empower that keeps you up at night and says, man, if if that partnership doesn't work out, that could really derail us or if that thing does because it, it's because we've got a strong foundation. You've got yeah, the clinics, yeah, you've got do. Kai yeah. Lab, you've got the products. Uh, it just seems like it's there's a great foundation there. So outside of outliers, it's safe to say this, Steve, outside of the unknown unknowns that could hit any of us. Yeah. Um, you're not too worried by, I think, derailing and uh, power. No, no. I, I think I think we've got a pretty good handle on on our divisions. You know, we I think we've done a nice job in the valuations um, uh, on acquisitions. Uh, we're I tell you, I'm very disciplined on on how our approach to acquisitions works. I'm very formula oriented, as I've explained before. And uh, we've walked away from numerous opportunities that, you know, on the surface, you know, could have been uh, very accretive, but the, the outlandish valuations that were being requested, uh, in my opinion, would be um, a very poor use of our capital and our currency. And I'm simply not going to, you know, pull the trigger on an acquisition just for the sake of doing another acquisition. It's not, it, it, it's, it's not going to work out long term because then all of a sudden you turn around and you go, geez, you know, where's my cash? Oh, hey, the market's changed. Um, our access to capital has changed and you, and you find yourself, you know, your business model in trouble, right? That's, you know, these are the things that would keep me up at night. 
Um, so, uh, you know, there, there aren't any sort of kind of major things that come to mind. I, I think we've, like I say, we're building a, a really nice solid foundation of, of divisions that generate uh, revenue and, and working capital to, you know, to our cause. Um, we're investing in brand and we're investing in making divisions better like Kai Medical and, and, and now Metasure. Um, but these are, you know, reasonable, controllable investments that with a little bit of, little bit of you know, shared services support, those independent divisions just get much better and, and they become bigger contributors. And, and as an investor myself, there's an inference there that I like, which is you don't have to, you've got a multitude of and don't need to make um, Hail Mary acquisitions. And that speaks a lot because there are a lot of small cap companies out there, ABC widgets, the foundation isn't going so great. Uh, they don't have the capital, the resources, the people. It's not all come together. So they say, let's go, let's go acquire XYZ. We know we're gonna have to pay yeah. an arm and a leg for it, but we got no choice because it doesn't look like things are going well here. So even just by telling investors that you don't have to make any Hail Mary acquisitions, let alone acquisitions that don't even really make sense is a great inference for us to read. Yeah, I mean, I just I just think as, as you build for um, a longer term, you know, view of 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 a business plan is, you know, you you still, sh you know, this is my my personal belief is that you've, you've got to work within your means reasonably at the point in time where you are. And it's you're, you're building a foundation and, and then building blocks on top of that. Um, and we just don't want the house to come crumbling in at some point in the future. So, you know, let's try to do it in a thoughtful, appropriate manner and, you know, accept where we are today, but know that we're building for something bigger and greater in the future. And we'll, we'll have bigger access to capital going forward. We'll do bigger transactions in the future, but don't overstep our reach at this stage um, while we're, we've, we've got some really nice things coming together. No. Jay Simpson, 1974. What's the status of our partnership with McKesson? Could we see McKesson distributing our products at KaiCare and Metasure in the near future once they receive FDA approval? And could we see Tabula Rasa carrying and distributing our products like KaiCare and Metasure in the near future under the same under the same conditions? Okay, so a few a few things to break down there. So um, we already work with McKesson in Canada through Metasure. Um, I don't think I've talked about that previously, but um, this is already already kind of uh, there. It's not something that that we brought to the table. Uh, the, the the good team at Metasure uh, distribute with McKesson to pharmacies in Canada. So pharmacies can place an order through the McKesson platform. Metasure inventory gets distributed through McKesson distribution centers out to those pharmacies. So we already have that in place in Canada. <clears throat> for the, the US, um, we have to get our FDA structure in place with MetaSure. Uh, that is a stated mission and an objective uh, that we've got Mario and his team working on. So we'll keep updating everybody uh, on the progress there. And then once we would have FDA approval and we've got product on the ground in uh, in the United States uh, on the diabetes side, we would then start talking to McKesson for distribution because like in Canada, McKesson is uh, probably the largest 
distribution hub sure. into pharmacies. Um, it's the same thing in the United States. So we would absolutely be in dialogue with McKesson. Um, again, thankfully, we've got wonderful relationships building with Rexall. Uh, McKesson's the parent company of Rexall. Uh, Medishare already works with McKesson. Uh, so I think you know that's all lining up. Uh, with respect to Tabula Rasa, the short answer is yes. We were already in dialogue with their merchandising people. Um, the first products that I would expect to be carried would be uh, through Kai Care, um, our uh, director consumer um, at home uh, saliva test kit. And then we see that relationship as a platform for you know, the myriad of other Kai Care director consumer at home tests that are being developed right now. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the last question we already dealt with is the cannabis side of things holding back with McKesson or government. So we, we dealt with that. Yeah. yeah, but that's great about Tabula Rasa. I mean, that's great. Oh, that yeah. We're discussions about that. Oh, yeah. No, we've, we've been, we've been, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been on the agenda with them from the beginning. They say uh, Yoshi, excuse me, Yoshi and her team already working with their heads of merchandising who would be responsible for those categories. And um, they've got 15,000 pharmacies in their network. Paul DeWolf. Hey, George and Steve. Hope you're both doing great. Hope you're both doing well. Great to see you guys again. So thanks, Paul. Appreciate that. Uh, question one, are you still actively seeking to acquire or get a partnership with a lab in Canada? Uh, short answer on that one is a yes. Um, uh, we've explained previously, you know, the lab market is very, uh, is very tight uh, in Canada. You know, you really have two kind of you know, monopoly players. And uh, so what we're trying to determine is, you know, is just aligning ourselves with existing labs on a referral relationship, you know, good enough um, for us in the Canadian market? Um, or is the ultimate, you know, objective to, you know, own or start, you know, a lab infrastructure in Canada? So it's still an open question for us. Um, I don't feel like um, we really fully have that vetted out. Um, and it's it's just unfortunate the market is is so restricted uh, in the lab world or lab space in Canada. Um, but we've got we've got some interesting conversations going on. Um, and so I think uh, you know more updates on that topic as we get deeper into September. Um, but we have not lost sight of, of that as a possibility. Man, it seems like there's a lot that could be happening in September. <laughs> his second question, we just talked about McKesson, but his McKesson question is just a slight uh, slight difference. Have we had conversation with McKesson uh, regarding expanding clinics in the U.S. market? Have we uh, ever had conversations? No, not at this stage. So okay. we, are, we are respecting the good work that we're doing right now with Rexall. Um, I think due to the nature of those organizations, they're very large organizations and um, very difficult to align yourself with. And you have to be prepared to prove yourself over time. And, and that's what we're doing. Now, in the meantime, you know, we're signing other great national brands that sure, sure. Uh, some of which, you know, might be a little bit more nimble because they've got independent pharmacies who kind of get to make their own decisions. Uh, but, you know, that concept of a, you know, Rexall-McKesson relationship in the future, 
uh, as you can see, you know, it's 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 blossoming, right? And with with more lease signings, you know, you know, the MetaSure alignment to uh, McKesson as a distributing partner, you know, of course, I knew that going in through due diligence. And believe me, in the back of my mind, you know, I know that only benefits us long term so that when I do want to walk in the front door of McKesson in, uh, you know, Irvine, Texas, just down the road from our lab in Dallas, Texas, um, you know, uh, we, we've got a lot of credibility under our belts uh, with their, their subsidiaries and divisions and have very good reason to have executive level conversations. But you know what? We're not quite ready yet. We're, we're just not there yet. But we're, you know, it's, it's, it's in, in the back of my mind. I'm not losing sight of a big picture here, um, but we have to build towards that respectfully. Yeah, and I can see that. And, and the build, you're right. You got to build towards the big daddy that way. And I think you're doing it exactly the right way because at some point you want to say, hey, we're doing this with you on the product side. We're doing this with Rexall on, on the clinic side. Yeah. We've done really well. We've got a track yeah. record of execution. Yeah. Each of those groups can validate that. And then you say, can we have a conversation about this? Yeah. And that's when the, not that that makes it automatic, but that makes it a no, lot it doesn't, easier. To it doesn't make it automatic, but we, I want us to have the ability to, you know, have demonstrated that we are bringing great value and contributions to their organization. And again, this is something that, you know, is, is, can be highly unusual for developing small cap companies. And I, I feel like we've done a pretty good job so far. Um, and yes, very, very much so. I just feel we have, we, again, we have to be very respectful of, of uh, the way that they operate. Side question from me, if we yeah. get, if and when we get to that point, great success, Irvine, Texas, will you commit right here on camera to, to getting, to buying Dallas Cowboys season tickets? so that I can at least <laughs> attend three or four of those games. Will you, I, can you... I, I will commit to uh, uh, buying you a Dallas Cowboys game ticket for sure. <laughs> All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> and then uh, I don't even know how much season tickets down there cost. So, um, but uh, uh, yeah, if we, if we, uh, if we get s some things like that going, I'm sure we can, uh, figure out how to attend a game or two perhaps and uh, right. do some, do some site visits. I'm going to timestamp this right here so that I can refer <laughs> back to it uh, a couple of years from now at a later or, date. or less uh, to hold you to it. And the last question from, from Paul was, has Kai previously ever exceeded 2000 tests in a single day, at least once? And are you confident that the run rate will remain at approximately $10 million? Um, I don't believe it has ex exceeded 2,000 in one day. I I, uh, I know we did definitely exceeded 1,000, uh, but we did not 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 2,000. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the spreadsheets <laughs> right now. And uh, you know the run rate, uh, you know, has uh, been very strong. I can't talk much about uh, any numbers right now. We've got our 2Q numbers kind of dropping in a few days. Um, they'll be out early. And um, uh, so I need to be uh, cautious, obviously, you know. Yeah, that would be selective disclosure. So yeah, to make sure everyone yeah. knows, yeah. I probably wouldn't even allow you to answer that question because you're not allowed to kind of give a number now. Especially, I mean, I'm under blackout right now and um, it's just, uh, it's, it's too sensitive with securities uh, commissions. So let's, let's hold off on that uh, at this stage. All right. Uh, Koonster is asking, are the newly hired MDs experienced 
and come with their patients or they newly graduate need to build their patient base? I know you touched this before, so that's pretty much a maybe a short answer there, but I want to- No, sure it's, actually, it's actually a great question because um, uh, I think what we end up seeing is a bit of a mix. So we, uh, I, I feel like, I feel like we've got uh, 22, 22s coming to mind as uh, um, uh, MDs under contract already. Uh, I can tell you, uh, because I just saw um, a memo about it <clears throat> yesterday, our first physicians that are coming online with our, with our openings, because we've, we've got our um, new uh, electronic uh, medical record system um, is, is live and up and running in preparation for all these openings. And uh, one of the new doctors coming in, uh, they just moved their roster across to our database. You know, so, so to answer the question in, in practical sense, uh, we absolutely get uh, seasoned, experienced medical doctors um, of all, you know, years in practice, um, you know, junior, middle, you know, very senior, and their roster of patients comes across. So that absolutely happens. We also have situations where we've got uh, new graduates who would come in, but I'd say um, it's fair to say it's the latter. Um, from what I understand, just you know, looking at the contracts and sort of the the bios of or the, the former or the, or the former, you mean? Uh, sorry, the the, the uh, no, well, no, the latter, meaning that um, we they they tend to be more seasoned with roster than straight out of school. Okay. As in terms of a mix, and I think it's it's strongly skewed to established and have roster of patients that will roster over to us. The second question is a little generic. I'm not sure you can answer it or you'd be allowed to answer it. Do we have a COVID testing deal in the works for the fall? Um, just like like new new testing? Yeah, I mean, we already are. I can tell you that um, school testing is accelerating dramatically in the US. Um, I know that um, I know that the lab are testing 500 students this Sunday. Um, and there, you know, as the CARES Act evolves in the US, you know, the Biden administration has put together um, large funding uh, um, for the states, uh, you know, each of the states yeah. uh, based, on the, based on the population in the states uh, dedicated to testing for students of all sorts, young through, you know, college. So uh, Texas uh, gets the second largest allocation behind California. Texas's allocation is in excess of 20 billion US dollars wow. just for education testing. So and my kids are in college here in California. That's why I'm here. And yeah. they have to get tested every week. Yep. All so that's coming. So, so that's, there, that's so exactly see a lot happening on the, on the testing side. Yeah, we, we really anticipate uh, that we're going to see a ramp up again. Um, across sectors, education being one, uh, we we already see film and television uh, noise accelerating again, and um, you know business testing. Uh, we we had another one of our bank customers uh, who was very strong um, earlier in the year, and they slowed down a little bit. They're back again, right? And so we definitely, I don't have a sense of the volume, like what it, what it looks like. So I have to spend more time with the, with the Texas team, but um, you know, we're definitely seeing that. Um, and, it, and so thankfully we've got the 
um, the expansion completed now um, at uh, Kai Medical. And we'll be doing a ribbon cutting ceremony um, in, in uh, September on that one as well. But you know, we need the space. Like we desperately need the space with these volumes going back up. If there's a small cap ribbon company out there, I'm going to be buying their stock tomorrow with all the <laughs> ribbon cuttings you're doing uh, in September. Uh, the third question from Kunzer, we've already answered. What are the synergies between clinics, Kai Labs, and Metasure? How can they all benefit from each other? I think you touched. I think you went through yeah. that pretty, pretty, pretty firm before. But thanks for that question. And they go on to say, "Great work, Steve and the team. Thank you for your transparency and your frequent news releases." Looking forward to seeing uh, many more clinics opening. So thanks for thanks yeah, for that. Thank question. you for that. Well, everybody can anticipate that. We're we're just in that rhythm. Next up is Yosh, which I'm assuming is not Yoshi. <laughs> Yosh without the I. But uh, first question: Are there any plans to uplist? We've talked about that. Are there new contracts in the pipeline? We just talked about that. Yeah. Um, the third one we have not talked about: How close is Steve to finding his new CFO? Uh, and has he found a better team to handle future financials? Um, okay, so um, a lot of activity going on on search. So as you know, we've engaged uh, Corn Ferry. Uh, Corn Ferry have started their work. Uh, Corn Ferry have done all the executive and board internal uh, interviews. I wanted them to not just have my perspective on it, but have our leadership team's perspective on what they're looking for out of a CFO and to help give Corn Ferry all the adequate tools to, for this search. So I'd say the whole process is, is underway um, very nicely. Um, and that leads into um, a much more effective audit cycle in the future. I mean, that's that's one of the main reasons why we're investing in this to, to get it done, right? So um, we that's our commitment to you know our shareholders. Our, it's our commitment to ourselves internally um, to to get better. Along for the ride asks, and we've kind of dealt with um, this. Thanks, Steve, and Empower staff for building the strong foundation needed to move CBDT to a more credible exchange. My question is. And I acknowledge this isn't cast in stone, but do you envision that it'll take a consolidation of outstanding shares to get us there? I believe the large outstanding share count uh, deters potential investors, uh, at least at this point. Yeah, I, I don't agree with, with that aspect. Uh, I, I don't think it deters. Um, I think that we're we're still in a, in a, a good and reasonable range in the shares outstanding. Uh, we, we don't know whether uh, we, we need to roll back, want to roll back, um, need to do it in conjunction with an uplisting because we need to hit a, a strike price and you know a, a share th price threshold um, for NASDAQ. Um, uh, we did through last year's AGM give ourselves the ability technically um, to uh, choose to do a rollback through board resolution uh, because you that we added to our proxy in last year's uh, and this that was all about future planning. So that um, it's there for if you. it was necessary, um, because you know I've always always had a vision of an uplist. Then we've got all the technical tools in place to be able to execute. Um, so the Empire Investor is next, but I think we've answered all these. Okay, is there a plan for reverse split? Just talk about that uplisting. Talked about that. 
Uh, by the way, I list the questions because I want to make sure we give everyone credit for asking them, but we've dealt with yeah. them. Uh, when are the first wave clinics expected to open? We know that. That's September. Uh, go long, smallcapribbon.com. Uh, and Sun Valley Health, we've talked about that. So Empower Investor, thanks for that. Uh, Seblo, can you explain the benefit of the clinics? If I have insurance, will it be normally covered and reimbursed when I go for a visit? Or is it private and won't be it won't be reimbursed? No, it's 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 standard Canadian you know health center approach, right? Um, when it comes to your primary care physician and services, um, we may test uh, certain aspects of specialized services in in some private pay combos. So, as an example, you know we've talked about teledermatology and um, our uh, partnership that we announced with Medex Health. So as these uh, first locations come online, I think we've already earmarked Brown's line uh, as the first location for uh, Medex Health. Um, oh, that's and, great. Yeah, because it, it, we've, it's got the real estate, right? So um, we definitely want to get, uh, intend to get three locations up and running with the teledermatology service. Uh, we think it's an incredibly valuable um, uh, health resource for patients. It's also accretive to the financial model um, and our profit model, more importantly. Um, where, where private pay and, and say co-pays come into place is a bit more with paramedical services. So if you think of you know, your chiropractor or your uh, podiatrist, chiropodist or um, you know, massage, um, you know, you, uh, in many cases, uh, patients pay for that out of pocket. Um, or they pay for it out of pocket and get it reimbursed through their plans. But the typical primary care medical billing model in Canada absolutely is in place. Uh, TMC, Seblo goes on to say, TMC ticker is available on NASDAQ when you're going to apply for it with a smiley face. <laughs> uh, and goes on to say, TMC is a nice name. Congrats for all the work. I know it's a team effort. By the yeah. way, TMC, the, the Medic Collective. Yeah. Um, a question I was thinking about, and I don't think we've talked about this before, but as that as that rolls out successfully, and of course, with all the caution where, you know, you're in execution mode, but I have every reason to believe that it's going to it's going to be rolled out really nicely for a long time. As that name gets bigger and bigger, do you see Empower Clinics changing its name to the Medi Collective at some point or? Yeah, we I don't I don't know. I mean, we certainly, you know, I can sort of you know, at least, you know, conceptualize something like that. Um, you know, I think we had a thought at some time that, you know, we absolutely had to change the name of Empower Clinics as the corporate entity. Uh, we do, you know, we do and will change the ticker symbol um, at some point. Um, and, uh, but there's another, there's a flip side that says we've got so much, of a following now under the corporate entity of Empower Clinics Inc. And I see us running like a, almost like a, you know, ABC and what Google does. Right. Where, you know, lean corporate office with strong divisions uh, and strong leadership within those divisions. So I think it's still, I'm not trying, I'm not going to jump to a conclusion on that. Oh, no, um, yeah, no, no, it wasn't our, our model, to an answer, more like just yeah. is it something you're thinking about. I, I think it's, I mean, I've definitely conceptualized it. Uh, I just, uh, you know, we're not ready to, to make a decision one way or another on that, but there's some key things such as the current ticker symbol will go away. Um, I just don't have 
um, you know, the resolution on, on exactly what that will be and when. De, uh, Dalen 06, there has been, that's an interesting question, there's been an increase in medical clinics throughout North America that are run by nurse practitioners, NPs. Uh, as NPs are able to assess, diagnose, treat, place referrals, and prescribe medications to patients autonomously without a doctor, have you and the team considered opening clinics with nurse practitioners? Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Uh, I think we're, you know, we're following it. Um, the, you know, there are certain limitations, and I think there are limitations in um, based based on the province as well. Um, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think that is kind of the standard across the country. Uh, so it's definitely, I think, geographically, um, uh, there are considerations ge geographically. So, uh, I, you know, I think it's just more discussion with our medical team um, on what that, you know, might look like. Um, is is that, you know, an efficient way or less expensive way to run um, a healthcare center? Um, I think it's definitely worthy of, um, uh, you know, kind of thorough investigation. And again, I think it's, you know, we need to learn more about it uh, and we need to pay attention to you know, what's happening with each ministry of health across the country, uh, you know, based on guidelines. So, I, you know, I, I think it's a good topic and I think we'll, we'll definitely sort of spend more time on it, uh, but we don't have a, we don't have a firm position on it today. Second question, does Medish, this, I like this question. Does MediShare have any plans to bid on contracts with any hospitals or ambulance services in Canada? Why? And this is great additional information. These types of services go through thousands of landsets a day and hundreds of glucometers uh, a year, which could boost revenue significantly. So MediShare already works with ambulance services. It already works with care homes. Uh, it has a contract with uh, the Canadian government for... Um, um, uh, 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 jails and correctional facilities. And so they're already doing that. Um, I just want them to scale that up. Uh, they're not doing enough of it because they are actually very good at it. So when that's, you look that's at- That's great that they're already there and you just- Yeah, yeah. so when you look at the sales and distribution model, there's really two tracks for, um, for MediSure right now existing. One is through pharmacies and the other is on a direct kind of commercial basis. Ambulance, EMT, uh, fire halls, um, um, uh, uh, large, large care, care home groups, and then uh, Corrections Canada as well. So we're already doing that. I just wanna see them do more of it. Yeah, that's great to know that they're there because those yes. would be very difficult to break into and I'm sure you could, but well, they, they, have, they just they, got a supercharge them is great. Yeah, they have the products for it. So uh, when you get into the um, facility side that we're referring to, you actually use a multi-use glucometer, not a single-use glucometer. So when a consumer would say purchase at a pharmacy for them their own use, they're purchasing a product set that is a single-use glucometer, and then of course using the lancets. Um, but um, if you're an EMT, you carry a multi-use glucometer, which is a different device, um, and you're able to, under Health Canada guidelines, uh, use that glucometer for multiple patients. There's a special cleaning protocol that they have to go through. Uh, so the, the product set at MediSure is already built for those markets. Last question, cardiology continues to be brought up in the announcements regarding services 
what type of cardiology services will be offered? Uh, you know, just uh, more to come on that. We're, we're very, um, we're very bullish on, on cardiology again, as a, as a specialized um, sure. added service, you know, we, we think that we, we can have almost, tr almost have our clinic locations again, where the real estate can accommodate like a satellite cardiology office, you know, almost like a hub and spoke model. And uh, so, you know, um, more to come on that topic. Um, you know, we certainly are in, in very uh, extended dialogue with uh, some opportunities that are uh, related to cardiology um, as a specialized service. Um, thanks, Dalen. Great questions. Briefers next. Uh, Stephen George, thank you for doing the Q&A. You've touched on this, but yeah, we may need a bit of a uh, a bit of a more holistic answer just to drive the point home. Steve's saying, can you please elaborate on the importance and value of MetaSure? I'll, I'll skip some I'll skip some details, but they, uh, they say all this seems like a distraction from clinics. So, can you please explain how the how this fits the bigger picture that I don't yeah, see? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 not a distraction from clinics. It's part of our business model. We have two two main pillars here that we're working on. One is opening healthcare centers uh, in conjunction with pharmacy networks in the markets that we serve. It reduces our cost to open. It reduces our cost to operate because we have subsidized rent. Um, and it comes with access to many tens, in some case, hundreds of thousands of consumers in, in a neighborhood where, where the pharmacy is located and our new clinic goes in. The other side or other pillar is uh, developing new important direct-to-consumer uh, medical testing products um, through Chi Care, and whether that started with our COVID test, direct-to-consumer COVID test, or it leads to the large pipeline that they were developing, which may include men's health, female health, and, and other types of products. MediSure really aligns with that. It, it is a medical device direct-to-consumer you know, testing company. Uh, happens to be focused on diabetes, has a, a great brand that we like. Um, it assimilates so nicely with the Medi Collective. Um, uh, it has all, has all the trademarks on that brand. And I think it has huge runway. They only have 0.5% market share in Canada. They're not currently operating in the United States. We're in those markets and we have developed a huge reputation with pharmacy networks already. The moment that we bring on the pharma choice, the pharma save, the, you know, whatever, it opens up the dialogue on behalf of MetaSure. So I think we can really flex and lean in to you know, dramatically improving that business model and getting you know, much bigger contributions out of MetaSure. You know, they're about, uh, about 1.9 million in revenue annualized with 0.5 market share. If we could get them to 2% market share, you know, this thing is you know, four times as large uh, as than what we acquired. Uh, Brian, great question. Thank you for that. Uh, next one is from Oil Sands Strong. Uh, some disappointment in in Kai testing numbers. Back in January, uh, you said the majority of the testing Kai was doing was standard RT PCR. Um, you said then you you expected 2,000 tests a day in March. I don't think you said 2,000 tests every day. No. I think it was just no. that we, we would get to that capacity and see some of those days. 
Uh, and there was an expectation that Kyle alone might be on a $10 million run rate. Uh, but judging by the financials, uh, they don't think that we're anywhere close to that. What's the plan forward to be more accurate when providing uh, predictions or projections? Yeah, I, you know, we we certainly are hearing everybody on that topic. You know, at the time when we when we put out those announcements, you know, those were the facts at the time. That's exactly what was happening. Um, I believe that uh, $10 million run rate announcement was sometime around February. And, you know, we had um, frankly done, uh, we crossed a million dollars that month uh, in revenue. Yeah. And so, um, at you the could time, argue, I was conservative because that'd be $12 million for no, the year exactly. without any growth. That's right. And we, we, we kind of felt at the time we were kind of hedging it. And, um, and so, you know, we don't, you know, control what happens with, you know, the, the federal government of the United States or, or the states that, you know, we operate in. Um, and certainly those forces um, uh, have impacted uh, the, the testing volumes at different times. Um, um, equally, with the pervasive nature of the Delta variant, um, we're kind of all just anticipating that our testing volumes kind of go back up again. And because 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 the vaccinations, I think, drove down testing. People were flooding in to get vaccinated. They're feeling a lot better. Uh, testing was definitely dropping off, but it seems like you're going back up. Uh, we're we're going back up because, you know, we're seeing, you know, there's 94 million uh, non-vaccinated Americans uh, right now. I mean, that, that's a very big number. And um, the line share of COVID cases are with uh, non-vaccinated folks. And it's going to stay there, right? Because it is. Look, that it number is. hasn't changed. It's like 51% have been double vaccinated. And it sounds like it's going to, it hasn't budged much in the last no, couple of months. No, it, it, it really flattened out in the U.S. markets from that standpoint. And the other sad thing that we're seeing is, um, in fact, double vaccinated um, Americans testing positive for the, the Delta variant. And so... Um, we, again, we fully anticipate that, you know, demand on testing is going to go up. It's not going to stay flat or down. Uh, and I think Dr. Fauci in, in the U.S. is, you know, talking, you know, deep into 2022 and, 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 and beyond. Uh, I don't think Canada um, is, is much different. Um, I think our, our collective vaccination rates are, are trending a little bit higher uh, in, in people 12 years uh, of age and up, but there's still, you know, a decent amount of population across the country um, that are not vaccinated. Um, and, uh, and then travel testing, like, forget about it. That's just going to stay. Like, it's just not going away. Uh, so I think our demand for having COVID tests available direct to consumer on the shelves of pharmacies in the markets that we serve um, is a great application of that product set. Yeah, so you may get there yet. The good news, the good news was volume dropped off for a good reason for society. Vaccinations happened, people are feeling a lot yeah. better. And now we're seeing, unfortunately, a bit of a resurgence. So, uh, but at the time, I, I, I remember that we were thinking that was actually a conservative number because you passed a million because dollars we, that we, month. And, but those, and those revenue numbers were correct. I mean, that's, you know, yep. that's, that's what we crossed there through. We, we decided to put something out about it. So I think, you know, I, I, I hear people loud and clear. Um, again, we're, you know, con, you know, in a constant state of uh, continuous improvement. 
And, you know, those are probably some areas that, that we want to tighten up on um, and improve. This balance of, you know, transparency and communication um, and, you know, getting everything, you know, as close to right as possible, um, you know, is kind of a, uh, sometimes can be a bit of a tricky formula, but, you know, again, I'm listening and paying attention and um, we're, we're working on, on improvements. Empower me. We've already answered your question about uh, Sun Valley Health. Uh, is there a date or rough idea on the ticker to be changed? No. Uh, again, it's, there's 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 a couple of decisions that have to be contemplated, right? It's um, you know, are we keeping the corporate entity? Are we uh, or, or you know, if we're going to change it, when do we change it? Uh, do you wait to do something like that in conjunction with an uplisting, right? So there's there's still some decisions that just have to be kind of flushed out that we haven't done yet uh, as, as a board and as a leadership team. Uh, but th these are, you know, these are some aspects like the ticker symbol or one that we know um, needs to change. Uh, Colin, uh, Steve, I live in Alberta. There's a huge industry surrounding drug and alcohol testing with anything with the oil and gas industry. Uh, this can be very lucrative. A lot of this is sent to Thunder Bay. Uh, my first question, are you looking to set up a lab in Western Canada or Canada? You've answered that, yeah. but maybe is there any, do you, do you think about doing anything for drug and alcohol testing? Maybe that's, a, that's well, a question. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think as a priority, um, however, you know, let's say, you know, for instance, we're able to land on a lab that we can acquire um, and then the configuration of its uh, testing equipment, you know, that, that inventory of um, uh, testing assets um, would be the likely dictator of if you're involved in that type of testing, right? So you, you have, you know, all of this equipment, you know, there's a lot of very specialized equipment that, that cover, you know, different test protocols, whether it's molecular or hormone or, or toxicology, right? So it really just depends on uh, what the specialized equipment configuration would be. Second question, have you guys looked into getting on board with any benefits packages for companies or unions? Um, so what you're talking about there is uh, occupational health and safety focus. So the answer is yes, uh, but we need to have uh, some more infrastructure um, open and live and right. medical doctors uh, before we can approach the sun lifes of the world and, 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 and others. But um, we absolutely see an acceleration in opportunities for uh, you know, uh, playing a role in occupational health and safety. Um, and I, I think you're going to see a lot more from us in the future on that because it's it's too strong a market, it's too logical, uh, but we're just not quite ready for it yet, but soon. Fine, right, Colin's off with thanks for your time. Have a good one. Keep up the good hard work. Last but not least is Mena. It's not a question, but I'm going to give them credit for uh, talking about something you talked about earlier that we heard for the first time, dividends. Good day. <laughs> is Empower more likely to offer dividends or follow on equity growth model in the future? I understand that the company has a long way to go prior to this stage, though. But very, very, uh, you know, great outlook. Uh, it is a great outlook, and 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 frankly, I just I find it you know quite logical, right? If you if you think of the type of recurring revenue streams in healthcare uh, that fundamentally you know should be a stable industry in the future, um, it's a massive industry. 
Uh, just go, just go look at you know our current uh, you know election candidates and and watch each of them talk about how important healthcare is for their platform sure. uh, in Canada. So uh, you know, I I kind of just like the the idea um, uh, of the fact that we're we're building you know we're building a business model that has divisions that could almost start feeling like annuities where you just know there's predictable revenue stream and uh, free cash flow that are coming from it, barring unforeseen circumstances. And then, uh, so those are, those are the components. If you look historically to companies that switch from growth mode to value mode, that can start to offer dividends. Uh, I just happen to have, you know, worked for organizations like that and, and watched I it just happen to <laughs> you know, just and watch it play out, you know, um, and, and scripted perfectly. So, you know, if, if, you know, does that playbook show up for us in the future? You know, I, I don't know at this stage, but um, if I had to guess, I could see that four to f- three to five years out. You yeah. Know, you're not closer, I mean, closer to five when you just a behemoth knock on wood, hopefully hundreds of clinics on North America and stable cash flow and all that. Yeah. And then, and, and that's what happened, but I, I can see that happening. I'm yeah, absolutely. No. It, by the way, for everyone, this isn't uh, financial advice. I'm not making, but I could see that happening now, given what you're building. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly like I say, I've 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 been part of organizations like that, watched it being executed, uh, saw the benefits to shareholders in the market. Um, so you know, we're certainly technically aware of you know all of those tools. Um, you know. If I mean, hey, listen, if we, if we find ourselves uh, in, in that position in the future where we're even contemplating it, um, I think all of us as shareholders would be pretty happy. I think good things will uh, that, that, that good things will have happened for us to get there. But exactly. Um, and I don't think that's pie in the sky. This isn't can we land a rocket ship on Mars? Uh, I think that's I can see that in four to five years. Uh, God willing. Steve, that's that's a wrap. That's everything. Thank uh, you. I'd, I'd say. Normally I'd say anything you want to end off with, but I think you pretty much said everything, but I will, you know, is there anything you want to end off with that you haven't already touched upon or, or is it more just looking forward to ribbon cutting and seeing everybody in September? Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to, you know, the last, the last, you know, four months of this year. Um, You know, I, I hope that people are understanding the tangibility of what we've been building. You know, I, you know, we see sometimes commentary is that, oh, well, you know, are there actually even any clinics? Is this going on? Well, you know, it's comical to me because you know I'm I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm signing leases and I'm uh, paying for architects and building permits and and contractors and uh, building you know the Medi Collective brand. Um, so it's it's very tangible for us. So I think that you know the launch of the brand, um, these first openings, you know, will help confidence. I think because the 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 reality and tangibility of, of a location that we've got medical doctors there, we've got rostered patients that we're seeing every day, um, and those contributions in medical billing and revenues, you know, are starting to flow through our P&Ls each quarter. And then it's just building blocks. And uh, so I, I'd say, you know, please remain confident. Um, I think we've got a good handle on what we're doing. I think we've got some just beautiful alignments taking place with uh, the pharmacy, you know, ecosystem throughout North America. And uh, I think we're onto something here. So just watch for us to continue to execute.
Yep, and for our, our for our Ontario investors, uh, especially those in the GTA, keep your calendars kind of open for the you know second, third, fourth week of September or somewhere in there. But uh, I think we'd have a real nice ribbon cutting ceremony in Etobicoke. Uh, it'd be great to have everyone there. We'll we'll be doing video interviews with uh, oh, yeah. with shareholders, with people, with you, having fun. It's going to be fun. Might be some food there, maybe, maybe we're not sure yet, but might might be some food there. But but more importantly, everyone's going to get to see, uh, you know, one of the first clinics and how great it is. It's real, tangible, touch and feel, and I think that's going to be a real big kickoff. For yeah, and, and seeing seeing what our national brand looks like and what it stands for, um, and seeing the color palettes and the the signage and the and the, the brochures and the marketing material like it's 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 really good stuff um, i'm so proud of the of our team um and the leadership and our brand organization um they, they've really it's 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 something special i gotta tell you all right well steve we we're hoping that we would be doing this from california together but schedule conflicts uh erase that but in uh, in a month or so give or take we'll be doing it live together uh in ontario so you can't bet. wait to see and Thanks so much for uh, for doing this. I know the shareholders appreciate it. Uh, an hour and twenty five minutes of your time is not is not a small thing, but that's how important communication it's important. is to you. Yeah, it's important to to to, to do this. Uh, I know how much value it brings to our followers. So thank you, George. And thank you for your time. Have a great day, Steve. So talk to you soon. Hey guys, this video is over, but don't forget to help your company by liking it and then leaving a comment below. And then. Don't forget to help yourself by subscribing to our channel so you don't ever miss another great Agoracom small cap video.